Hello and welcome back to Stand Partners for Life. I am Nathan Cole. I am Akiko Taramoto. And this is actually, uh, well, since this is the new year, happy new year, and happy second season of Stand Partners for Life, we uh, released our first 15 episodes last year and had a blast doing it and kind of took a long summer break that extended (laughs) into the holidays and now we're ready to get going again and um, so this is a perfect day to uh, get back into the spirit of podcasting, huh? Yes, get back into the, uh, the swing of thinking about music. And tomorrow we actually go back to work after our holiday break, work being the LA Philharmonic and Actually, if you were with us last season, you'll know that we spend our days and many of our nights with the LA Phil at Disney Hall here in Los Angeles. Um, But if you're joining us, this is what we call this Secrets of the Symphony from two violinists who live together, play together, and work together because we are married with three young kids here in the house who should all be sleeping, although I sort of hear that they're not. (laughs) It might be our neighbors. Uh, are they out reveling? Yeah, okay. I think it's uh makes more sense. Kids would be up, you know, acting rowdy because they're they're not even four. But in <laughs> case the neighbors, they don't have that excuse because I think that guy's in his twenties. But they do have a hot tub. They do. Well, yeah, or something <laughs> a trampoline. So we uh we give you an inside look at the symphony and the the life of. Well, the life with the violin. And in that spirit, we're not going to give you a whole bunch of New Year's resolutions exactly, but uh, my idea anyway was that we'd talk today about some playing resolutions, practicing resolutions that we'd made over the course of our lives and see what stuck and what didn't. I did want to... What stuck and what stunk. (laughs) Okay, that's good. That's better. Um... I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening and especially those of you who have gone and left us a rating and a review on iTunes. It's the best way for us to get found and hopefully enjoyed by other listeners like you. So if you have a moment and can go to standpartnersforlife.com, you'll see how you can visit iTunes and just take those 60 seconds to leave us a review. I read all of them. I don't think you read any of them, right? No, I can't handle the truth. (laughs) Well, what I was going to say is that, I mean, so many of the reviews, I've told you this a couple of times, but they really, um, I feel like people go out of their way to mention, you know, really enjoy the commentary, especially Akiko's, where they'll say, I especially like hearing what Akiko has to say. I try not to take that personally, but... Well, I get, you get to be the, I, I get to be the the person who sort of riffs off of you, I think, right? You're the, the straight man, so it's not entirely fair, probably. I think people trust you. They, you know, they know you, uh, they know you speak the truth. <laughs> well, thank we you. Read I appreciate all, it. Yeah. Well, so anyway, I read all of them and I, I pass them along to a He, he, he doesn't, doesn't pass on the bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so here we are. 
got our resolutions. Um, I just remembered and I said, I wasn't going to do this, but I think one of my only resolutions I've thought of for the new year, as far as music is, um, to play our kids more concerts, to have them watch and listen to more concerts. Cause they really do seem to enjoy it. Yeah. And that's a resolution I forgot on my part too, is that, um, you know, a couple months ago, I, I don't want to say I rediscovered my affection for classical music. Cause that makes it sound as if I, didn't like classical music for a while or something. That's not it at all. But yeah, I came up with a similar thing for myself just to to make classical music a bigger part of my life outside of work. In what ways? Uh, listening? I guess it's mostly taking the form of, of listening because mostly what we do, I guess, when we're not at work is we're driving around getting places in LA. And, um, and so putting classical music on the radio has been has been great. Even pieces I wouldn't have thought I'd, you know, I'd never pick like a, I don't know, a Corelli Sonata out of the air and say that's, I'm dying to listen to that, but it's been great hearing it and especially great when our kids are in the car to, to hear it. And, um, this has been kind of satellite radio. Yeah. Yes. And serious. And, um, the only thing serious, uh, and if anybody's in a position to do something about this, we can never tell who the performer is on Sirius. And so it's, can be a little annoying right unless you listen to the end in which case it's Beginning that's like radio end, when yeah. we were growing up and you I, we even tried looking at you know on online while it's happening and you can't so yeah they tell you the piece but yeah not who's performing which you know it's hard for me not to read into that some kind of nefarious uh <laughs> overlooking <laughs> <laughs> the important thing is the performers is a really important part of this it's not you know and probably these days you know it's getting a little bit less so like people don't really They'd rather know what the piece is maybe than who's playing it. But, um, there, you know, there are a lot of us out there who really, really want to know who's playing. I know. It's been a fun guessing game sometimes. Well, you yeah. remember that from childhood, right? I mean, I don't know if your parents did this, but... They did. My, my mom is actually surprisingly good at it. Oh, but I meant if you, if you really couldn't tell who the performer was and the piece wasn't over yet, would you get where you were going, like the grocery store, and sit in the car and wait till the end of the piece oh, to find no, out? Oh, no, I don't remember doing that in fact my mom had a weirder version to listening to classical music in the car oh. she still does i mean it can be annoying right because the dynamic range is yeah so... because the road noise and we always had a cheap car that had like no soundproofing or anything there's so <laughs> <laughs> always like a lot of like you know and so sure i can see you know the sound system was probably something really terrible but um but yeah anyway so we know ne we never played that game yeah we we would just do it at home she's like i'll bet this is you know joshua bell well, you know, 80% of the time you're right, because he's on Sirius all the That's, time. He is on Yeah. Yeah, but, he is. Yeah, there was a great um, Bernstein West Side Story recording. And I assume yes, it was him. that is a great one. Yeah, it was really good. Now, how do we get talking about Sirius? Oh, because of uh, wanting our kids to listen more. So over this holiday break, especially, they've discovered the Nutcracker. Yeah, you know, and I, I conf confess that I've never been a huge Tchaikovsky fan, as you know. Um, and a lot of colleagues, I think, you know, you bring up Tchaikovsky, none of us really. Where I was like, oh, I could live the rest of my life without playing <laughs> any of the symphonies or at least any of them except for six. Shout know. out to former guest Brant Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> Our colleague in the Chicago Symphony. Boy, I miss Brant. But um, I do. <laughs> uh, but, you know, listening to the Nutcracker, of course, it sounds ridiculous. It's great music. And, and sometimes you need to be reminded just watching your kids responding to 
pieces you can tell just it gets to them immediately you know and, you know also there's dancing and there's a visual element to it that's attractive but yeah, the music but really speaks to them it does and actually before they saw because they've just over the last couple of days been watching the film version what did we look up it's from 1993 with new york city ballet and macaulay culkin and one of the starring roles um but before they actually saw that, we were just listening to the LA Phil's. The LA Phil has a new recording of the complete Nutcracker. It only took six years. Six years to oh to get released. Yeah. Yeah, I looked at the I opened the CD booklet to see who was playing, and yeah, a lot of new faces since then. Um, but yeah, new Deutsch gramophone recording, and so we had it on in our van, and yeah, the kids. I mean, they were just asking, "What's what's this number? What's this number?" and they would make up stories about what was happening and you know, it's before they saw any of the dances. So they've enjoyed watching the movie over the last couple of days. So yeah, that's something I hope to continue. We've got that Berlin oh, well, definitely. I digital mean, concert hall. Yeah, they, they do like that. There's an occasional call for not this song. Or yeah. <laughs> but mostly the, they like it. And um, it's been amazing. You know, they, we have a DVD player in our car, dvd does that sound like it's really 2005 um hey it plays blu-rays too. <laughs> uh so yeah we have one and you know i'm ashamed to say that for a while it was kind of a crutch and pretty much anytime we were in that car they would want a movie and we'd put it on or something and then i, th- I thought you know what this is you know obviously it struck me eventually as not being entirely healthy or educational so i am um, I just I decided, you know, they're going to listen to classical music in the car and met with no real resistance. I mean, some occasional tired whining for for a movie, but I just say no and that's it. So, yeah, it's worked great. Yeah. Resolve to force your kids to listen to classical music. (laughs) Good. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we get enough of our kids get back to us? Um, What were some of those resolutions. Now, these could be things that you consciously decided. Yeah, let's make them things that you consciously decided. And maybe you stuck with it. Maybe you didn't. And then what what happened to your playing as a result? Okay. I didn't, there's only one that I actually stuck with. So yeah, not, not a lot of results no. that I can tell you about, but um, I didn't stick with all of mine. Well, but so you know, maybe, even if you didn't stick with something, maybe that had a result in itself. Like maybe there was a reason you didn't stick with it because it wasn't a great, wasn't going anywhere. I always have reasons why I didn't stick with it. Never yeah. short on reasons. Okay, so yeah, my first one. Um, you'll like this one. Uh, this is the time that I decided um, my warm up routine needed some revamping so my normal warm-up is just <laughs> okay. uh, a few scales <laughs> and arpeggios and um i used to start in d major now i'd be happy to say i start in e major so it's <laughs> i go i go it's all already, the way to already an upgrade <laughs> i go all the way to f sharp so anyway so uh i you know after a while i thought well you know i already know my d major scale maybe it's time i started doing something harder and I thought you know I'm always hearing Nathan warm up and he's just these amazing warm-ups he's always doing you know thirds and sixths and octaves and you make me sound like Isai do do you remember that passage which passage no so I think it's maybe in the oh Isai used to to do like a huge 
Yeah, I think Isaiah's son or somebody wrote, anyway, it's translated, I think, but they said, yeah, they described his warming up and the phrase was, I wish I could remember. Yeah. It said incredible flights of virtuosic fancy. Yeah. Well, that's how I feel. That is not at all. (laughs) Anyway, Nathan's warm up is much more technical than mine. Mine is really just to get some blood flowing to my fingers. So, um, so I was like, you know, I, I need, I need some, you know, maybe if I do Nathan's warm up or something closer to Nathan's warm up, I'll play more, you know, I'll be more confident about my techniques. So I asked Nathan for some suggestions and he gave me some, he had, um, you're a big believer in the Simon Fisher warm up book. Yeah. It's just called warming up. And, uh, and so he sent me on my way with like, you know, the first 10 exercises or something in the book, they're short and went up there and I, I totally forget it. I wish I could remember exactly what they were. I wish I could remember the one that I'm about to tell you about. And all I remember is that, you know, they start to get harder and harder. And I thought, this doesn't feel like a warm up. My hand's kind of cramping and it'll feel very warm. I feel sort of like tight and like I can't play. <laughs> and then I started to get tighter and tighter, more kind of getting like emotionally tight too. Like, <laughs> sort of think like, what's wrong with me? Like he gave me this warm up, like I'm a professional violinist, like what's happening here? And yeah. And then I got to like number eight or something and I actually started crying. I think I <laughs> no. came down crying see or like sent you a tearful text or something and i was like oh, no, oh yeah i think i got some message and i like, raced up there like what's going on yeah i was really upset because it was just like <laughs> i can't even like i'm not playing you know like paganini concerto and i can't even get through this warm-up that it's supposed to be a warm-up and there i am just you know like dying so so that was one resolution that lasted about 20 minutes probably oh, no. that was it i didn't try again <laughs> I, there was no like next time i huh well, I, but I mean, your warm up obviously works for you and lets you play amazingly. So, define, I mean, yeah, I, I could always, I know, I, I assume a lot of us could feel better about our playing at any given moment. So, I was hoping that would somehow turn it around, but you know, it just. Well, I mean, I, I, I hope I told you that the first time I looked at that book, it. Yeah, yeah, you told me some kind of story blazing through it or anything, and well, so you know, I got to spend the day with him and talk with him a bit about right Simon Fisher. Yeah, talk with him about that book and and many other things. It was a great day. He was very generous with his time, and um, but what I've heard since then is that so he made a DVD that goes along with that book, Mm -hmm. and I guess many people have found the DVD to be you know, as videos tend to be, it explains more than the text does. And I, I, I have to admit, I still haven't seen this, so I, I intend to to see how it compares. But anyway, you would be far from the first person to sort of crack open that book and <laughs> wonder what was wrong that you couldn't just fly through it. But yeah, like I said, I didn't either. Fly through it or I couldn't get through it without having a nervous breakdown <laughs> so your warm-up remains the same i, I went running back to scales you're playing remains brilliant well scales that's the thing um my first resolution it was pretty brief i mean it was very specific i mean this is kind of a silly one to start with and i know it's going to make you laugh because it's such a stupid problem that you never had but even up until i was 19 or 20 I would often 
hit the metal part of the bow the, at the frog, mm-hmm. the feral. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I would hit that. And is it still true that you've never broken a string in performance? Well, I, that the asterisk to that is I don't, I don't perform that much. <laughs> so, but you play in orchestra all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that counts. Okay. I've never broken a, you're fine. Yeah. I've never broken a string. Really? Never? never. I, well, I've broken a lot, but you know, and I, I mean, most violinists have probably broken an E string at some point, but I think for a while I broke more than my share, partly because, yeah, I mean, if you hit the metal string with the metal part of the bow, then you can easily snap it. And so when I was 19 or 20, I f- yeah, I forget, one or two years into Curtis, I decided that was it. I was losing that habit once and for all. So I decided that anytime it happened, I was going to put the violin down, drop and do 10 push-ups. And now I have to say this came from a childhood of, um, it's not hard to play after you do push ups. It is. And, uh, it, I had a really bad day <laughs> that way because of that. No, but she when I was a kid, like, I like, drop squats or something. Yeah. I mean, this was like, like way before CrossFit or <laughs> any of that. And I feel like <laughs> burpees hadn't been invented yet. Burpees and, uh, would be bad too. Um, anyway, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when I was a kid, I feel like if, if there were, if I did little things wrong around the house, I didn't have to, you know, I didn't get locked in my room or anything like that. I didn't have to, I didn't lose my allowance. I, I had to do push-ups. Um, Please don't try this with our kids. No, nah, I haven't done it yet. Plus, I don't think James can. Done it yet. <laughs> um, I don't think James knows where his foot is, much less. <laughs> so, yeah, I decided anytime I hit that metal part of the bow i'm dropping and doing 10 and um yeah the very first day i remember one stretch where i don't know what i was practicing but you know i hit it obviously had some big down bow attack or something and this is before i learned that those should be from the string anyway um so there i am crash landing from the air trying to you know for some reason i don't use enough bow (laughs) What's that? Maybe I don't use enough bow. Maybe that's why I've never done this. No, I'd, I'd say you're a, a whole bow, a whole bow mm. spender. No, but I think I where I where I scrimp is at the top third of the bow. Not I think the bottom is not. No, you just thing. have good habits. I mean, there, there's no. a reason you've never anyway. So yeah, hit yeah. that. But so I hit it. You, you know, to? did my ten push-ups. Got back. Obviously, I was frustrated and hit the same spot again. Hit the metal. And I remember at one point, I must have done it seven or eight times in a row. And that's, you know, back when I could do 100 push-ups and it would be okay. But I could barely hold up the violin at that point. I almost had to stop practicing. Just think how pumped you looked. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> I don't think I've seen any pictures of myself from that time that reflect doing all these push-ups. <laughs> maybe it would have been better if I'd kept that bad habit to do more push-ups. But... Um, in any case, that habit was gone after about two days and I really haven't hit it since then. That, that was a resolution that was successful and, and, and short lived. So, well, that's, that's, that's a good story then. It worked. Um, so what, what else have you got? Um, well, my next one is a little sad. I wasn't sure if I should get into it and human interest element here. Oh, please. Uh, you know, it's like one of those times when I think 
was the twins were just like a couple of months old. I hadn't been at work. Well, I maybe I had to go. I had I did have to go back to work when they were really really young, like just a few weeks old. Um, but I it was a bad time, as you remember. Um, after having them, and you know, I was like, my self esteem was hopefully as low as it'll ever get. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I think you were out of town, and I thought, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get like a piece of really hard music that you know I've never been able to learn I'm, I'm gonna do it I'm gonna I'm gonna start playing something really technical and feel better at least about that part of my life so I, I went and I bought La Campanella at the store and um yeah and I can I well it's you know cut to three and a half years later it's still on my stand well that's good largely I mean... unlearned I would say I've heard you play, I think I've heard you play every part of that. No, I mean, the thing is that it, it worked in the short term. I mean, like I, it reminded me that, um, I like, I like playing the violin when everything else feels like it's really gone to hell. Strangely. Even when I'm, I, you know, normally my, a lot of times my playing is a source of anxiety because I feel like it should always be better. It should be this or that. And, and when, when, really hits the fan it's like hey you know sorry am i allowed to curse uh yeah i'm allowed to bleep it out we want to keep our clean rating on itunes (laughs) sorry (laughs) curse away it's the fan yeah in the end it's it's a reminder that um there's something very basic about being able to play the violin that's still comforting so that's it's a nice thing to know so that's my my other resolution so it's hard to tell how long that really lasted i guess it's still it's still going on that i'm trying to become a more technical player oh well i thought the resolution was to Feel take better. refuge in the violin if other things were and we, you know should mention that i think the twins are mostly a source of uh, pleasure now and not right and, and it wasn't even that it was just everything about having newborn twins and you know my general state of my health and my appearance and everything it was just you know everything had just gone down the toilet and it was I was just happy to pick up the violin. I feel like one thing was still kind of like I remembered. Anybody I, who's ever hated their appearance should start playing the violin. <laughs> Any mother, anybody who's been married or known a mother. Yeah, well, I mean, the violin's great for a lot of things and terrible for other things too, but and sometimes both at once. But I'm glad you came through that time and... I'm also, it makes me happy. I, I, yeah, I saw Paganini Campanella on your stand recently and it made me smile actually. So I like hearing you play it. Um, I don't think anybody else wants to hear me play it, but. I'm, anybody, if you took out the violin right now and played it, I'm sure our audience would be thrilled. Yeah. Well, it's a little late in the evening. Yeah. Um, don't, don't hold your breath audience. <laughs> the two people who are listening, please don't, please don't expect me to play Campanella next time. We'll, we'll get her on the mic to do that next time. My next one, actually, my next one also comes from, well, it comes from right after I got to school. My very, my very first lesson with my teacher that they assigned me, Felix Gallimere. You know, I didn't know anything about him before I got to Curtis, but, um, and maybe it's better I didn't. Uh, I had heard he was really old, and that was confirmed when I first met him. <laughs> Um, what I 
didn't know at the time is that he knew Ravel. I mean, he worked with Ravel, made their first recording of the string quartet and worked with Berg and Schoenberg. And yeah, I mean, he had an amazing life. Um, and I, you know, I was prepared as I knew how to be prepared for my first lesson with him. But um, I was not the kind of violinist I think that he expected to hear. And Where do you was, think you were from? Like Missouri or something? Uh, yeah, I don't know what they had told Alabama. him. Or if they'd told him anything. Yeah, one one memorable time he told me that <laughs> after the fifth time that I couldn't play the same measure in Sarasate's Carmen Fantasy in tune, he said, look, you could, you could go back to Alabama and you would be a big success, but not in New York. Yeah. That's still kind of nice. You mean it would be great to be a big success in Alabama? Yeah, I mean, hey, we should just move to Alabama right now. I, hey, I mean, I'd love to be a big success anywhere. But I, uh, the, the message was definitely not one of encouragement at that. Yeah, I don't think he meant it in a good way. <laughs> yeah, so he could never remember where I was from, um, which was fine. But I more of more importance was that I couldn't do the things that he expected a violinist to be able to do. Namely, go through the Flesh, Carl Flesh scale routine. Um, and I, I mean, not only had I never seen that book, I, I really didn't even know what he was talking about. So luckily, at my first lesson, there was someone there, his other student, we were both assigned to him that year. And she could kind of tell me what he meant. And so by the end of that lesson, he had told me what he expected me to practice that week. Um, and basically, he told me to ditch the concerto that I had brought to him, which was Prokofiev's second concerto. Um, I had expected I would work on that with him because I had just started learning it. But he said, no, forget that. Um, I just want you to practice scales. And um, every day I want you to do the scales in all 24 keys. And I, I just looked at him like he was crazy. I mean, I think I'd, so far in my life I had maybe done a scale in a day, probably just D major. Doesn't sound like I'd make it very far. Well, I mean, I no, I did look at him like he was crazy. And then he said, not just the scales, but all seven arpeggios for each key. Yeah. And all the double stops. And I said, what, what do you mean all? And he said, third. <laughs> third, six octaves, fingered octaves, tenths. Oh, my God. Um, See, this is the warm-up I heard you doing. No, but I mean, maybe maybe I do that for a couple keys, but he was saying all 24 keys every day. And I said, you know, but Mr. Gallimere, I, I think that would take me hours to do just, you know, just scales. It's like, what else are you doing? It would kind of, yeah, he just looked at me and he said, yes. <laughs> um, so I... Yeah, I just, I'd never had a teacher like this before. I, I kind of wondered who I could appeal to. Like, should I go, you know, this can't be right. What am I supposed to do? And and so I, I thought, okay, whatever. Even just to serve him right, I'll do it for this first week. And I'm not going to get anything else done. Maybe I'm not even going to get through that. But it did take about three hours a day for that first week. And... And like, how'd you feel at the end? Is that, that must be incredibly exhausting. Well, that was the thing because it had been assigned to me. Oh, and it was exhausting. But at the end of it, I thought, 
you know, wow, I really, scales are getting a little bit easier. I wasn't entirely sure what else I was getting out of it, but you know, at the, by the end of the week, my hand did feel different. I felt like it was kind of conforming to certain patterns better. And I wish I, (laughs) I wish I'd remembered that and sort of kept, I did keep practicing scales. I mean, not 24 keys in a day, more like three keys, which is more or less what I do now. The difference that I felt in my hand, yeah, it was exactly that. It was patterns, scale patterns and arpeggio patterns, which are in just about every other measure that we play as violinists. So the fact that those things felt unfamiliar should have been a big, like, flashing red bulb. I'm seeing that right now. <laughs> well, and as I've I've taken a little time off during this holiday break, so I'm I felt it when I taught today, but, um, yeah, I mean the, the fact that those things felt unfamiliar, I should have realized I needed a lot of remedial work. So, you know, I think he knew that and sensed that and just decided to open the floodgates really with the scales. So, um, anyway, yeah, my resolution was, okay, I'm going to show this guy that I can do whatever he says. And yeah, it lasted about a week and then, really tapered and I probably shouldn't have tapered as much, but I was successful for that one week. Oh, okay. I'm sure there were long lasting benefits. Yeah, there definitely were. And, but like a lot of other things, I didn't realize them until years later, looking back. That's sort of what we do, sort of plant seeds. Yeah. Um, so my next one, the reason I, I said it tied into the noise coming from our neighbor's house um, I feel like this was sort of recently. I decided I was I was going to kill two birds with one stone. I was going to practice a lot while you were gone, which I always try to do. And um, and I was going to try to really annoy them <laughs> by doing this. Now, first of all, why do you practice a lot when I'm gone? Well, because like, so you're not around. So I feel like I have more time where, I, you know, just kind of downtime. I need a lot of looking after when I'm here. <laughs> not at all. I just, but somehow when you're here, I feel more justified in doing nothing. It's like when you're not here, I sort of feel like I have to get something done or something. Mm. It would be nice if you came back and I accomplished something. Yeah, I figured, you know, these people next door are making this, all this awful noise. Just got these sons who are old enough to know better and they're acting very rowdy. They're jumping on trampolines and all the lots are very close together here so you can hear them shouting and cursing and screaming and you know just carrying on I was just anyway so I thought you know this will really annoy them if I just stand in the guest house I'll just I'll practice a couple hours a day and I'll I'll play a lot of Bach and I'll you know just uh, Uh, it's like they do in Canada where they yeah drive drive away loafers by and it works with our kids honestly at home too (laughs) (laughs) you play and they leave play or play classical music for them in the house and like I said in the car they kind of have to sit there but we're at home. Sometimes I notice we're sitting here listening to a nice piece of music, and then suddenly I realize it's just you and me. It's nice and quiet. I think this, <laughs> this the the theory behind the Canada McDonald's thing. Well, they do it in the subways too, right? Oh, Mass yeah. transit. I think they play it. Sadly, so um, anyway, so I thought you know I'll try this on them, and I don't know. It seemed to work. I mean they. Certainly. Well, I, you know, I didn't practice as much as I wanted to that week, but uh, I certainly felt like, you know, I, I enjoyed 
playing this beautiful music and I seem to hear less of them or maybe it just bothered me less. I didn't hear them while I was playing and oh. it's just, you know, it's a win-win. Cool. So that, that worked as long as I was gone and yeah, it might I mean, work again I, I when I still do it again. now. I mean, you know, it's Christmas <laughs> break. This, it's, I should get up there and just start, start shredding some box solo. Shredding. And- <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I forget if it was. I actually, I think. Oh, I, I actually sent you the picture because I was attempting to play the boxy major for you. I think I moved on to something else because it was torturing me almost as much as them. After a certain point, there's like one chord. I sent you the screenshot. Oh, I like get because like I get I get to that. I'm always like, this is a great piece. Why don't I play this more? And then I get to that one chord, and it sounds so. It's so out of tune. It's so hard for me to play into. And then I, I always go, well, that's the reason I don't play this piece. Well, but I mean, nobody likes playing the C major feud. Anyway, so um, so I think I moved on to other Bach and it seemed to work just as well. <laughs> so, All right, so practicing is a deterrent. That's a good, good yeah, resolution. Yeah, anybody with, you know, anybody lives in an apartment, you probably don't have this luxury. You're probably just pissing your neighbors off more. But um, yeah, if you live in a house <laughs> where people really can't complain about you playing classical music, then perfect. <laughs> Nice. Well, I have my number three, and this resolution I I didn't decide on myself, but everybody has that age, right? When they get to or have to start practicing on their own. And maybe for you, that was a lot earlier. For me, my mother practiced with me until I was, I, I think, eight or maybe even nine. And at that point, when I was starting to practice maybe an hour a day, you know, it was decided that I would start doing it on my own and now being a parent i can't imagine what a nice thing that must have been for my mom not to spend an hour a day practicing with me so yeah but i i'm sure you were kind of a delight to practice with probably really well we'll have to ask i think there was a lot of complaining but in any case at that point i i was going to practice on my own but the deal was that i had to sort of report on myself i had to write down everything I practiced and for how long. And so, yeah, that resolution to keep a practice journal. And I kept that, I think for the whole time I studied with, um, my second teacher, Dan Mason, the teacher mm. that I had after my Suzuki teacher, Donna Weehy. And I really, you know, I, I wish I'd kept more detailed notes, but it was basically just what I practiced and for how long, but you, even looking back through that, I have to laugh. I mean, first of all, the times were short. I mean, from a standpoint of conservatory practice, for example, I mean, I could see why I had a bit of a hard transition going to conservatory after spending such a short amount of time on these pieces. And I can see also how I I didn't get through all the repertoire that a lot of other people did when they were teenagers. Um, But yeah, keeping that journal and just writing it down, it, it did make the practice more purposeful. And actually, when I first started my website, um, natesviolin.com, the purpose was going to be, it was going to be my online practice journal. So I sort of did that for a little bit and then gave that up. That too, I, I wish I'd kept on. Um, because I've since found that, you know, so many of you listening, um, you know, you, you go through the same things that we do when we practice and so many of the same difficulties and whenever I write about those and most of which I've come up with 
some kind of solution for, or, or I've read about a solution for, um, when I write about those, you know, you guys write in too and say, oh yeah, I'm going through that and here's how I came through it. Or I hadn't come up with a solution yet. Thanks for that. And so that practice journal idea and making it a communal experience, I, I wish I'd kept up with that more, I think during the years that I was in school. Cause I kind of stopped once I got to school. Anyway, it was a resolution that lasted, I guess, from age nine to 18. That's amazing. Anybody who's working toward an audition with me, I always insist that they write down what they're doing. I I just think it's essential. And, Hmm. you know, no matter what you're working toward, I think it it only makes it better. And yeah, now we have computers. You can do it on a computer. It doesn't have to be pen and paper, but... (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to, like, dip your feather your quill pen and some your inkwell yeah although ironically if i had done it on the computer back in what that would have been the late 80s would have been trapped on a three and a half inch floppy disks and we'd never be able to read them now yeah i remember the the big floppy disks oh the five and a yikes the three and a quarter uh five and a quarter Uh, right if you say so but yeah they were they were not the little hard you know because the the ones you're talking about weren't, weren't floppy Right. They were, yeah, they were still referred to as floppy disks because the, yeah, the disks inside the hard plastic shell were floppy. Right, but then, but I yeah, remember the ones that were like they actually were, floppy. Yeah, yeah, the five and a quarter floppy. Wow. Well, this is lost on anybody under age forty here, but <laughs> screw you. <laughs> um, so last resolution. Yeah. So this one actually has has sort of stuck. I don't know if it really counts as a resolution, but I. One of my big insecurities, as you probably guessed from listening, is that um, I don't feel like a very technical player. Lots of people can be like, oh, it's, you know, it's important to be musical or rather be musical than technical. But um, honestly, I don't think you can play the violin and not be a technical player. And it's a technical instrument. Yeah, I would agree. Um, So I've always felt a big hole in my violin ability. So, um... And yet one would wonder how you won these well, jobs. Well, I mean, you know, again, it's, we've talked about this. Auditions are short. <laughs> Life is long. Auditions are short. Um, yeah, I, I thought, well, I should start really trying to shore up at least the appearance of this one thing. So I, I thought, it's you know, violence not something you can really do by yourself. Mostly the stuff you can do by yourself is like Bach, which doesn't really... It doesn't really excite people, the average sort of bystander, if they, they want to hear something just off the cuff. So I thought, you know, here we are, violinists, both of us, and I would love to be able to play some of the Vinyavsky etudes, the two violin etudes. So that's something I've really been trying to practice, and in the hopes that one of these days I'll be able to keep up, you know, at least for a few minutes with you in public, and maybe be able to play, you know, one or two or three of these um, yeah, so that's, and that's the plan. I've been doing it. And as everybody <laughs> who has a dressing room near yours at work knows, I've been trying my hardest to. <laughs> First of all, keep up. I mean, we, we played a couple of these recently. Yeah, but I didn't, but I, I chickened out and I didn't play the hard part. I just played like the, and that almost, you know, that like strengthened my resolve. It was, I felt embarrassed. I was just playing like eighth notes and you're like flying along. So yeah, but do yeah. You, you remember someone in the audience took a video? And the 30 seconds of video they happened to take was when I totally flamed out for, I'm, I'm assuming. That was my fault because the page turned. Was it? Oh, all right. 
But during my page turn that I had to learn, I, I made sure to memorize it so I wouldn't have that problem. Yeah. So, I you know, do that. Just saying. Anyway, there's no danger of anyway so but we're planning on playing these in the lexington we have like a 15 minute set coming up set at that thing and i'm I'm determined you know i'm gonna do it it's gonna be scary but i'm gonna i'm gonna play something hard even like navara is scary for me you know because navara is hard it is i mean for me so you know but navara requires accompaniment so these are cool because you can just play them Anyway, yeah. which is great. I mean, the, like the violin is a very portable instrument, but again, it's just seems something that like don't people don't love to hear by itself. So it'd be nice to play something, just have something in my fingers, you know, because like you're someone who always has something in your fingers and I don't. That's like, I think that's a something, I don't know, if it's maybe a special skill you have or something I especially don't have because I didn't, I didn't really play much in college. So I think, you know, those four years kind of lost and so, yeah. That's that's a resolution I've stuck with. I mean, that's unusual for us to make the time at this point. There has to be a reason. Usually, there has to be a deadline coming up. So, for you to just decide that you're going to learn a piece or a kind of piece with no actual deadline. What helps the calditudes? I think. I think I'm like taking your vitamins <laughs> or something. You're like, I better do it. <laughs> We're playing them for a fundraiser here, and then we're planning on playing them at our chamber festival in Lexington this summer. So, Don't, Donut and Bourbon Fueled. Oh, in Lexington? Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Spalding's Donuts in Lexington, Kentucky. Yes. Whenever we play in Lexington, there, there's donuts, beef jerky, and bourbon. Yeah, we haven't been doing the beef jerky as much recently. Yeah. What's... Well, Donuts it used to be like a breakfast, lunch, and dinner sort of. I think schedule. we're all just getting older. It's like we realize we can't just eat from like, you know, sun up till sundown continuously without. Well, not those things anyway. Yeah, I think we try to we try to contain our eating more to the meal times now. But we, there was a time we just have like a big pile of beef jerky and like food in the middle of the, the quartet rehearsal. <laughs> right, just dip into it whenever. Not, not the bourbon, bourbon though. We'd save the bourbon for yeah. later. We got a minute for a last resolution from me. This is not even exactly playing related, but it is symphony related. So it's good for for our show. Um, while we were still in the Chicago Symphony, I decided that, I don't know if I said for a week or a month or whatever it was, I was going to, I was going to count everything as if I were the concertmaster. Oh, you told me that. Yeah, it was sort of, yeah, sort of like the expression "dress for the job you want, not the job count, you have." Count for the job you want. <laughs> Basically, you know, I thought, I thought, okay, if because I, I often thought to myself, okay, at some point I would like to be concertmaster somewhere, and so you know, I, I thought, well, part of that is counting everything and taking responsibility for everything. So I realized that I was used to just zoning out in some long rests and. You know, Chicago Symphony was full of people that were very responsible. And, you know, if you zoned out during a long rest, you could count on looking up somewhere near the right time and someone else would bring you in. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to try for one week or a month or whatever it was. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to count everything. And, you know, also I'm going to... But I guess like if you if you counted and the person next to you didn't seem like they were about to come in, you didn't like... You didn't like it. No, I still 
you know, I still right, you know, your... played my role as a section right. member. I wasn't going to... Cost your master at the back. <laughs> no. I just thought I'm going, you know, even if I know that I could lay out and just, you know, think about something else for 30 seconds, I'm going to... Mm pretend like I'm the concert master and I'm going to count everything. And then, yeah, if, if at the end of my counting, I'm different from everyone else, I'm going to be wondering why that happened. And, but basically I just want to test myself and see what that would be like. And, you know, similarly for bow strokes, I was going to look ahead and guess, you know, what part of the bow is the concert master going to play this in Weird. and, you know, what? Hmm. basically imagining if I had to decide how this next thing would be played, and, you know, this especially went for the first rehearsal. Like, what would I decide if it were my choice? And how does that compare to what what's actually happening? That's one thing that ended up lasting the rest of my time in Chicago because it, it hmm. just... Really? <laughs> so, like, every concert you're saying they're counting everything? Yeah, well, because pretty soon after that, I saw a video of us performing somewhere and I looked so terrible. You think counting is going to make you look better? Counting was part of a whole attitude. <laughs> I, I sat up in my seat. I, hmm. you know. I think you can do those things without counting. You could, but for me, that, that was the, count, like, you know, yeah. it's one thing to say, Oh, I'm going to look better or I'm going to act right, more responsible. But the counting thing was concrete. a very easy and oh, it seems like a lot of work. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's terrifying. You have to do that now. <clears throat> no, I do, but it's not like. I mean, the few times when I am concertmaster, it's a terrifying jump from being second chair, being ninety nine percent sure, to having to be a hundred percent sure. It's a big deal. Yeah. Well, that's, I was hoping that this would maybe prepare me for for that transition, and uh, and it did. But, I mean, you have the same thing. Well, you had the same thing and you have the same thing now. I mean, you have no, to. No, but I guess I'd like, even like, you know, playing Concertmaster so infrequently, I, I only have to think about it really once in a while. And, and uh, But when I do, it's like, yeah, it's like, like, wow, can I please go back to sitting somewhere else? <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's contagious though too, right? I mean, if you, it's not always that because you're counting, the person next to you doesn't count. I feel like often... You know, that, that makes the person next to you count as well. And then the two of you work together and it just reinforces. I don't know. But that, that particular thing, it was not exactly playing related. And I won't say that it made me a better person, but. Oh, know, that's interesting though. Huh, but no, maybe, I, I'll, maybe I'll try this tomorrow. It's interesting. <laughs> no, don't do it tomorrow because then you'll be like judging whatever decisions that. Are you concertmaster tomorrow? Oh, actually, no, I'm not. So, yeah, go ahead and do it. All right. It's <laughs> a deal. Yep, tomorrow we go back to work. Zubin Mehta is conducting. It's Yay. all Brahms. We're f closing out our Brahms cycle with... Um, I'm a big Zubin Mehta fan. Yeah. Third and fourth symphonies this week. And Pincus Zuckerman is coming in with the violin concerto a and double yay, the double concerto. Quadruple yay, because he's my favorite violinist of all time. I can't, can you imagine what I've never heard him play the Brahms concerto live? Have you? No, really? you would remember if you did. I'm well, sure you've never right. heard did him he play. Did he not play it in like Ottawa or something? No, Brahms? No. Okay. He no, we've never heard he him play. He played Baird and he said that amazing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I 
we're about to hear Zuckerman play Brahms for the first time ever in our lives. Yeah, it doesn't matter how it sounds. He's still the best. I mean, like, he could... It's like listening to Lawrence Olivier read the phone book or something. Ah, ah. You know, I just... It's like he could just... He just tunes his violin. It's like, that's enough. I got my money's worth. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, if you haven't gone on... If you haven't gone on YouTube and seen his video of him uh totally eviscerating a student over their tuning go ahead and look that oh, up i thought you were gonna say i'm talking to nathan milstein oh you can also <laughs> go on youtube and see him talking to nathan milstein but yeah there's um a video where he's teaching a lesson and the student barely gets past tuning their violin akiko's taking a picture of the dog sorry she looks so cute anyway okay well we are so happy to have you with us and We want you back next episode as well. So make sure you subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back. And uh, we're going to have a lot of special guests this season. A lot of our colleagues. Like who? I just talked to Bob, Bob Domain. Yeah. Our principal cellist is going to be on soon. And um, a lot of fun things in store. So we want you there with us. And uh, standpartnersforlife.com is the website. And that's where you can subscribe, leave us a rating and a review, and Happy New Year. I hope your resolutions all work out, and if your resolutions are playing related, may they, if they stick, may they give you the great benefits that we've had, and if they don't, then hopefully they don't for some good reason like ours didn't. Just, just resolve to annoy the neighbors, you can't fail. All right, have a great rest of 2019 and we'll see you next time on stand partners for life